Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to She Walks, a look at intersectional feminist leadership and why it matters. As a matter of fact, why it matters most. You're listening to Sharon Bowers and Carly Blaylock on WEHC 90.7. We're just two Appalachian women who decided to be part of the fight to dismantle these interlocking systems of oppression in the lives of all women. Carly, how's it going today? It's going great. I'm happy to be here. Oh, yeah. Well, listeners, we we try to be current every time we can. And we just thought it'd be we it'd be remiss if we did not talk about the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship Challenge that is before us today. So, Carly, do you have a little history of the story or history of the story that you might want to share? And then I can just kind of fill in what I think or feel or might even know a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pulling a lot of this information from an article on ESPN.com, content to not fit the narrative, LSU's Reese has the last laugh. And basically, um, it's talking about what happened on the court between um, Angel Reese, who plays for the LSU Tigers, and Caitlin Clark, who plays for the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know, they were playing in the championship, and as, as happens in sports, right, especially team sports, very competitive sports, there were, you know, a little bit of talking on the court, a little bit of, you know, riffing each other, that sort of thing. We, we call that, in our culture, we call it trash talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, both Clark and uh, Reese did the uh, you can't see me hand motion, which is where you wave your hand in front of your face, which was popularized by wrestler John Cena. And then um, Reese also would hold up her ring finger and point to it like she's going to get that that championship ring. Um, and while, you know, both players were engaging in this, the way that it was talked about when Reese engaged in that behavior versus Clark engaging in that behavior was very different. And um, to just kind of share Reese's own words on her experience, um, she said, all year I was critiqued for who I was. I didn't I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit the box of what y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. When other people do it, y'all don't say anything. So we're we're talking here about a double standard. And mm-hmm. women know so well uh, about double standard. But, but in this particular situation, we're seeing it play out where something that could be used and had been used by one group of people is uh, unfairly applied. It's the same gesture but it's unfairly applied to people who are different. So Caitlin, who is, I'm assuming, identifies as white and everybody's saying that she does. And Reese, who I am assuming uh, identifies as black and everyone seems to say that that she does. Well, if we assume that, then here you have a white woman and a black woman doing the same thing, but the perception of what they're doing is totally, totally different. And so here, here we go once again with that whole double standard and who's who's looking at it and and what it really means and uh, you know I, I think even before we talk about this whole race piece i think there's that whole gender piece because if this were and i really do believe this if this were two men we wouldn't be having this conversation no i completely agree i mean we watch competitive men's sports whether it's basketball or football or whatever and you know they're always trash talking each other and sometimes even hitting each other and, you know, people, you know, they might receive a flag on the play or whatever, but like, they're not, no one is saying anything about that. 
I think it kind of goes back to that whole like quote unquote being ladylike, right? Mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. You know, not allowing women to get into that competitive mindset or that competitive spirit. Right. Because, you know, I watch, sometimes my mom watches, she watches the Steph Curry's team, the Warriors all the time. And so we are Warrior fans and we we actually have a personal connection to Steph. You know, it's loose, but it's still personal. And so he, we, we follow him from a fan quote unquote perspective. But sometimes when I watch that, every time they hit a three point, they put three up in the air and they do all these kinds of hand gestures and nothing is ever said about that at all. But then here, you have these two women who are doing it, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, and and it becomes a challenge, but it, it becomes a challenge mostly for the media because I don't think that it's a challenge for either of them. And, and I think uh, Angel, in what you just read, she's letting us know that she's been treated differently all along as a player. Yes, she has. And you're exactly right. No, Caitlin Clark and um, Angel Reese had nothing but great things to say about each other. They respect each other as players. They're just doing what every competitive player does, which is engage in that sort of, you know, trash talk, that sort of like competitive spirit, right? When you're in the middle of a game, um, which is what everyone does. Um, And it's interesting that it's blown up this much when, you know, they're not upset about it. They're fine. (laughs) So... Um, I also wanted to mention that Angel Reese, not only did, you know, her team win, but she received most outstanding player. um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Then she could talk some trash. (laughs) She can't talk some trash, I think. (laughs) I I read one article where she was talking about, you know, I don't know if she starts all the time, but she always comes off the bench and the momentum changes. So she was talking about, or they were talking about what kind of player they really are because they come to bring the momentum. And so I think the way they see themselves is is positive. Um, you know, Carly, one thing that that I think we have to kind of say is the, who started this? It's the commentators. It's the observers. It's those people that are looking and it's those people that criticize Reese for what they said was unsportsmanlike conduct duck and that she was taunting Clark. And so I think maybe later we can talk a little bit about the white gaze, but I think it's important to note that this came from the commentators and the observers seeing that. And we can probably say that they're predominantly white. I mean, most commentators are white. You have a few blacks who come along for the ride, but in general, the sports commentators are white men. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, it would be very, um, untrue to not acknowledge that fact, right? That is a critical part of this. I think it's just especially interesting that if this is being placed on both of these girls, but especially Reese, right? This sort of like, oh, disrespect and, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, but neither one of them felt disrespected. So I don't understand why that is being put, that narrative is being put on them, right? And, and I think that's why we have to talk about things like the white gaze. And and I don't want to, I mean, we can talk, we can do a whole show about that because I think it's important for us to look at, you know, the lens of the oppressor always defines what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And one of the articles I read said that Clark had used that that hand wave in front of the face two games earlier when Iowa beat uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. And um, she didn't get criticized for it. As a matter of fact, it said she got praise for it, including praise from Cena himself, you know? So, right. uh, 
you that's the whole thing that that when we talk about these systems of oppression and how they work and this double standard how the standard works for one but it doesn't work the same for the other here's a prime example of how can a white girl white woman do a gesture and when a black woman does the same gesture somehow what what was perceived as you know, fun and just the way we do it and leadership and all of those things. When a black woman does the exact same thing, it is seen in a derogatory way yeah. and has started this whole, you know, maelstrom of, of all this kind of a, a way. So this is kind of how racism becomes part of the double standard or there's right. a double standard in racism, whichever way you want to look at it. I completely agree. And I think it kind of also is making me think of the way that women in general are told to smile more, right? Mm -hmm. That we are expected to always have the sort of pleasant, open expression, right? But when it comes to uh, women of color and particularly Black women, you know, there's always this sort of underlying narrative that, you know, of unapproachability and like, um, you know, that there should be an effort made to be pleasant. And it's just so disgusting the way that it's talked about. But I think it goes back to that. It's like, okay, we see a white girl engaged in this behavior and nobody says anything. We see a black girl engaged in this behavior and suddenly she's being rude and you know she's not being gracious and whatever. Why is that when it's exactly the same thing? And it has to go back to, you know, the differences in the way that race is perceived um, mm. and the way that, you know, that sort of, you know, those facial expressions, even on women in general, but especially black women are perceived. Right. 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 There was a I think uh, Clark's coach said something. I think it was Clark who said something after the game and she said she had no idea what happened. You know, they were playing. They were in the moment. They Their adrenaline was flowing, et cetera, et cetera. And so they were not concerned about looking at this from uh you're out of place Reese how dare you do mm -hmm. something like that and, and even Clark's coach said uh, I think this is a quote from USA Today or something she said I'm sure she was really proud of her accomplishments and I would be really proud of my accomplishments if I won the national championship uh, the coach is Lisa Bluter she said we're all different people with different ways to show emotion and she said I've got to focus on what I can control so they were trying to you know get her to say something when in actual fact it's not a big deal and like you said both of the women were complimentary of one another yeah i think reese reese called clark a hell of a player yeah you know i mean and and clark had won some accolades before and you know i mean it, it just seems that like you read the the what they said about reese how she felt all year now and that goes back to you know, can you imagine how how it was for her playing under that pressure? And that's that thing that happens to people of color, in particular Black women, from an intersectional perspective, is that whole double, triple standard is always there and we're always being judged by it, you know? 100%. And I think, especially when we think about that in the context of a competitive sport, right? Being a competitive athlete is very tough mentally, emotionally, physically, Right. It requires people who are also very mentally, physically, and emotionally tough to be able to do it. And just like, you know, in any other competitive sport, part of what gets you through it is your bravado, right? Believing mm -hmm. in yourself and understanding, like, I can do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to push myself to my limits and I'm going to support my teammates, you know, um, and that is what carries a lot of athletes through. And again, when we see that behavior in certain contexts, 
we don't demonize that behavior. But then when certain other people do that behavior, then all of a sudden it's a problem. And it's so often black women who are seen as the problem in that sort of context, because, you know, black men engage in that bravado behavior on the court or on the field, and it doesn't really seem to be as big of a deal. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, you know, the people who are making this a big deal are the powerful and the powerful people are white men. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's just the, the, the kind of uh, way that, or at least at least for me, that's the, the way that I'm looking at this because, uh, you, you know, the, the people that are, are, are hating on either one of them, uh, primarily, mm-hmm. this conversation we're having is about women athletes, about women basketball players. We would not have this, uh, those guys, men who play basketball, they're getting technicals all the time. I mean, they're fighting, they're doing all kinds of things and they just find them and go on. There's no big write-up about controversy like this has become. You know, right. you just don't see that. Yeah. So the gender, the gender thing is, and for you and I, that the gender is, it's specific that what we're seeing here is an issue regarding gender. Right. And I think it's also interesting that those players, those male players that do end up receiving those fines quite a bit or are known for playing in that sort of style um, are seen as tough, right? They're seen as tough competitors and tough opponents and, it lends itself more to not praise necessarily, but it it allows them to have that almost accolade of like, I'm the tough one on the court, right? People don't want to play against me. And we are not allowing our female players to have the same sort of like, I'm the tough one, right? I'm the one you don't want to play against. And, you know, these these athletes weren't even, it, none, of, none of the nothing about this was physical, right? <laughs> they were not right. loving each other. They weren't fighting. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, it's just very interesting the way that this whole thing is being played out. I, I think it's kind of the same way that we look at, um, uh, you know, male competitive sports versus female competitive sports. You know, we talk about the lack of talent or, you know, I don't really want to watch them or they're not, you know, they're not really up to par. I heard somebody say the other day, well, the best women, if you put them on the team with one of those men, they wouldn't make it. Well, I I, I don't believe that. You know, I, I, I believe we're not going to do that. I read an article not too long ago about the first woman that was drafted to the NBA. She's deceased now. A black woman out of Mississippi or Louisiana or something was actually drafted to an NBA team, but she never actually got to play. And this was years ago. Um, so, you know, the fact that we have to have these two leagues and and I know this is an age old argument about men's strength, women's strength, all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But but, you know, the game is the game. <laughs> and well, yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, it is interesting how it always comes back to that. And even people who, particularly men, who would consider themselves to be feminist, um, you know, whether or not we would ascribe that title to them, <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> you know, they'll often say things like that. Like, of course, you know, we believe in equality for, you know, gender equality, but there are just natural differences between men and women. And they're, you know, men are just stronger and faster and whatever. And that statement has been challenged by many scientists. understand that the mechanics of that better than than I do or could articulate right now but 
you know, that statement's not even entirely factually correct. And again, what does that have to do with anything really? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, why do we respect a player less? I just don't understand. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I thought it was interesting. I think it was an article in the Los Angeles Times and it was talking about uh, the South Carolina coach who two days before this incident with Reese and Caitlin, uh, two days before she had had to make the statement uh, about her team. She said that they were uh, attracting a reputation of being a bully. And she mm -hmm. said things like, we're not bar, bar fighters, we're not thugs, we're not monkeys, we're not street fighters, she said. And she referred to that that racist language that's been used to describe, you know, South Carolina, you know, which obviously they got beat. I think uh, Caitlin's team was the team that beat them, but um, uh, you know, how, how racism, you know, and even classism, but how they look at certain athletes from the double standard perspective, you know, and everybody's always, always looking for quote unquote, the great white hope. They did it in sports, you know, with Larry Bird and, and just always trying to find an exemplary, a player that happens to be white so that they can say, look at this. And then there can be many players of color who are better or equal and they won't get the same kind of play. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, even when we look at like men's sports too, um, you know, the way that people talk about Michael Jordan, obviously his talent is undeniable, right? He's the best mm -hmm. basketball player ever. Um, but, you know, people talked about him being mean and him, you know, not being an encouraging, supportive teammate and stuff like that. And, you know, he's honest about it. He says, I wanted us to win. So I pushed myself hard and I pushed my teammates hard. And again, that's not a bad thing, but because it was coming from him, people looked down on it like, well, you know, he should have been more supportive. He should have been more mm -hmm. whatever. Why? <laughs> yeah know. yeah yeah and and that the article that i was telling you about in the los angeles times it it started uh listen to this this i thought was interesting it says uh they're talking about the reese and the clark and you know uh just how people are perceiving this and then it went on and it said but women are absolutely and undeniably held to a different standard of behavior than their male counterparts. So I thought that was a real definitive statement by, by the writer of this article. But uh, he or she go on to say, they go on to say, remember when sports writers lost their minds after a Brandy Chasen ripped her jersey off after scoring the game-winning penalty kick against China in the World Women's World Cup final? Uh, but male players did that regularly and nobody said anything. And then the writer goes on and talks about Serena Williams being penalized for the kind of heated language that helped make Jimmy Connors and other tennis male tennis players famous. And 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 so they gave a couple of other examples, um, even talking about Larry Bird being the king of trash talking, you know, and how he would say and do those things in his ongoing fight with Magic Johnson, you know, how they would pit them one against the, the other. And so I think it's important for us to kind of think about this whole double standard piece where like Reese has been jumped on for doing what Clark did and 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 it's perceived totally different. I completely agree and I was going to bring up uh, Serena earlier and I 
forgotten. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, there is just this level of expectation placed on women to always, you know, I don't even know the right word, but always be, I guess, ladylike, like I said earlier, but always have mm-hmm. this level of decorum. And it's like, that's not a realistic expectation when you're talking about athletes in the heat of a moment in a sport, right? Right. Um, a very competitive, heated atmosphere. And yes, there is absolutely a double standard. Um, you know, we see this off the court as well. We see this in just daily life for women um, who are expected to have this sort of um, pleasantness and, you know, keeping their emotions together and always being kind and thoughtful. And if you're not, if you're not those things or you're not those things all the time in every situation, then you're seen as, you know, um, you know, mean. And um, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about our leadership, you know, women in leadership positions, right? If a woman leadership, if a woman in leadership is very compassionate and caring all the time, she tends to be seen as a pushover, right? But mm-hmm. if a woman in leadership is kind of hardline, we're going to follow the rules, you know, she's tough, um, then she's seen as, you know, hard and uncaring and, you know, oh, well, we don't want to work for her, you know, whereas men who display those same behaviors are not seen in the same way. And again, it goes back to the whole athlete thing, you know, the men are trash talking, the men are ripping their jerseys because they're celebrating and whatever, and that's seen as perfectly fine. But when the women do it, it's not. Um, and it, it's that sexist double standard. And it's even worse for the women of color. It, it sure is. And, and and I guess that's that whole sexism that keeps, you know, with all women's sports secondary to men's sports. You know, it's like an afterthought or an addition or people say, I don't really like women's sports. You know, I mean, I don't like watching them, you know, that kind of stuff. They make gestures about, well, and part of it is what they see, the lens that they look through. And it's just the insistence that women be nice and be good looking and be classy. And, you know, that you can have a little bit of power, but you can't have all power. Just, I mean, look what happened to Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. you know if Hillary I mean I don't think if Hillary had been a damsel in distress I don't think she would have won anyway because she was a woman but because she's such a powerful woman it was perceived that that she was too masculine and that they wanted her to be softer and so you put racism and sexism this whole intersectional thing you put them together and you have what we have right now this challenge uh you know that we're experiencing right now with these two seemingly you know athletes who probably both will go pro probably both of them will play pro absolutely and i think it goes back in this this could be a whole series of conversations, what I'm about to say. <laughs> but, you know, there's been a lot of um, dialogue in online spaces and in feminist spaces um, about, you know, respect for women being tied to their attractiveness and not only just like their physical attractiveness, but also attractive behaviors, um, you know, what is a desired behavior um, from a person and how when women in particular do not display those behaviors or they don't care about their physical attractiveness or whatever, they are now not respected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, that is very deep and complex, but essentially, you know, men who find themselves in places of power 
um, who have not deconstructed that, right? They are, um, you know, they tend to not respect women that they don't deem to be attractive. And again, that's not just physical attractiveness, but that is like, oh, well, she's got a wonderful personality. She's always so sweet and helpful. Or, you know, she's always got a smile for everyone. You know, those are deemed attractive behaviors. And if a woman does not display those behaviors, she is given less respect. And obviously, historically speaking, um, and as we've seen through, you know, systemic racism and everything else, those standards apply double for women of color, particularly Black women. You know, um, you know, again, it's like kind of goes back to what we've been talking about, but, you know, Reese being proud of her accomplishments and, um, you know, her, she says, um, she goes, I just want to brag. Twitter can say what Twitter can say. I love reading those comments. I have all the screenshots of what everybody has said about me all season. What are you going to say now? And then people saying, well, she should be gracious and humble in her victory. And it's like, why? No, she shouldn't. She should be proud of herself and her team. I mean, I just, I don't get it. Well, and I think even, you know, when she likes to say, I am from Baltimore, you know, she said she wanted to make Baltimore proud, you know, she's not trying to dumb down. She's not trying to. And I think that's when we talk about epistemology or we talk about location from an academic perspective, it is so important to let people be who they be. She is from inner city, Baltimore. She is proud to be part a Baltimorean. She mm. that that's who she is. That's how she's shaped. That's what's uh called her to be who she is. And and so for this whole, you know, double standard to be placed, I think Carly, I can't remember and and so I'm out of my league, but remember there was a tennis player who um I think it was over mental health issues or something and and she wanted to stop playing or I can't think of what her name is or she didn't want to want to do it any longer. And I mean, they just gave her 40, you know, 40 yards of hell. Oh, um, saying... it was Simone Biles. Um, okay. the gymnast. Yeah. Okay. She, I mean, best gymnast in the entire world, uh, you know, but she um, I was also very, very young and a lot had come out about the, the Larry Nasser case. Um, the the doctor who had been sexually assaulting his yes. his patients and um i think that was part of it and and just the fact that i mean to be the best in the world and be very young is a lot of pressure of course and she ended up retiring i can't remember if it was the olympics or maybe she was qualifying for the olympics i'm not i don't remember yeah i think i think it was maybe like the 2020 olympics or something yeah and and the same thing happened to a tennis player i remember that i can't remember the tennis player i think it's a biracial tennis player she may be asian and african-american or something and something similar happened to her which just goes to show you like with simone with simone biles and all these people that there's a double standard for the expectation of men and the expectation of women and whenever we say or do something then it's like it's a deficiency you know like something is wrong with us for trying to care for our own mental health our own mental well-being like you're softy you shouldn't be doing this anyway you know and and those those kinds of tactics are 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 difficult for for me to um to handle because I guess overall, I know we got to go, but overall, this whole piece for me is not so much about these two women, one identifying as white, one identifying as black, 
both being premier athletes and both will probably pray, play professional ball, of which they will not get paid mm-hmm. the millions of dollars that their colleagues who are going to come out in the men's championship, they're not going to be paid that same kind of money. But I think that whole sexism piece for me is an overrider. No, we cannot deny the the racism piece but when we talk about double standards for me we're talking about the double standard that sexism brings and the double standard that racism brings and it's larger than life and so nobody's talking about sexism in this maybe you and i should write an article carly but nobody's really talking about sexism everybody's looking at the double standard of racism but here is the double standard of sexism also because what they're doing Mm -hmm. is the same thing that men that male athletes do every single day yes yeah no i completely agree and i think following along with this theme i think it's going to be really good for us to spend some time exploring it and I know you mentioned the white gaze earlier, which I think is is incredible and, and important. And I think we need to spend some time with that. We can also spend some time with the male gaze. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. And the white male gaze. <laughs> right, because deeply impacting, um, you know, the way that women in any sort of um, professional space and any sort of public space are perceived. Um, and I think it's really important for us to, to poke holes in that and to deconstruct that because it's just, it's so pervasive in everything that we do. And a lot of people really don't understand kind of where that comes from. So I think that would be a great topic for us to continue with um, in our next show. Um, thank you all again for being with us today and being a part of this conversation. We would love to hear some feedback from you all. Um, and if you have any topics that you would like us to cover in upcoming shows, please let us know. But it was wonderful to be with you all again today. We will see you again next week.